Hello and welcome back to the Physics Podcast by Radiology Jam. Today we're going to be starting episode two of the MRI series, which is our first series of the Physics Podcast. And episode two is entitled, How do we use magnets to create an image? And to help me decipher this is Jodie Smith, our fantastic medical physicist from Imperial College Healthcare Trust. Jodie, we're so delighted to welcome you back. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't scare you off last time. (laughs) Um, So thank you for explaining some of the basic concepts last week. Um, And I know that this week is going to be much tougher. Um, We're going to explore how we use magnets to create images. And I know that's not simple. (laughs) No. Um, But I'm hoping that we'll be able to break it down into some simple at least principles and I might ask you some really really basic questions as last time um but we've had a really great response and we're really um happy that you guys are enjoying uh, our new podcast um again if you've got any questions or comments or anything that you'd like to ask myself or Jolie then please do tweet us at the twitter handle which I got wrong last time and I am starting to use Twitter a little bit more, so you can <laughs> contact me on there now. Um, but the Twitter handle is at Jam Radiology. Um, so there's no underscore. It's just at Jam Radiology. Um, and as previously, you can email us at radiologyjampodcasts at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, should we get started? Yeah, sounds good. So I think because... We're going to get into something really heavy today. Um, maybe we should start with a quick recap. Um, so could you remind me um, about the magnetic properties of um, well, hydrogen ions? Because I know that hydrogen ions are the most abundant within the human body. So I guess that's a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. So last time we spoke about magnetism and spin, how they are intrinsic properties, along with mass and charge of nuclei and how the nucleomagnetic moment of a nuclei can be thought of as a tiny bar magnet. And then we had two effects that an external magnetic field has on nuclei with magnetism and spin, and that's the alignment to the direction of the external magnetic field when we use the compass needle analogy. And the precession about the external magnetic field. So that was the gyroscope analogy, right? The spinning tops, yeah. Exactly. Um, And then we very briefly mentioned Lamour, Mm -hmm. the mathematical physicist, who found that not only did the nuclei precess around the direction of the magnetic field, but that the precession was proportional to the applied magnetic field strength okay so that those are probably the most important things that we need to keep in mind as we kind of go through working out how uh, the magnet makes the image thanks for the recap that's really useful so why do we use hydrogen specifically for mr imaging so in magnetic resonance imaging mri What we're actually using, the technique that it's built upon um, in order to create our images, is the technique nuclear magnetic resonance, or NMR, um, which is what we'll be going through and explaining today. 
Okay. So NMR is quite an insensitive technique. And in order for it to work in the body, we need nuclei that are present in the body that have a non-zero value of spin with high abundance in vivo. And we also need nuclei with a high NMR sensitivity. So we have a few nuclei in the body that have non-zero value of spin. For example, nitrogen, phosphorus, and carbon. Mm. But a hydrogen nuclei, as the simplest nuclei, a single proton, um, has the highest relative sensitivity to nuclear magnetic resonance. Okay. On top of that, we are also made of 62% water. So it's highly abundant in the body, much more abundant than the other nuclei. With and the most non- sensitive. Exactly. Okay. So it's the best choice for our experiment to get the strongest signal we can yeah. out of what is inherently an insensitive technique. So would it be right or wrong for me to imagine lots of little hydrogen um, protons spinning around and around inside our bodies? No, that would that's a, a good way to think about it, really, in an MRI environment. Okay. It's pretty useful. Yeah. And then when they go into the machine, they're all aligning along the magnetic field. Is that correct? Yes. So in the absence of an external magnetic field, the hydrogen nuclei, so the protons, will behave like dipoles oriented randomly, processing at different rates. Yeah. So those two analogies, the compass point moving to align to the field and the gyroscope spinning, the compass point, if you like, will be orientated randomly and the spinning or precession of the gyroscope will be at different rates or frequencies. And the random orientation means that the sample, in this case the patient, mm-hmm. has no net magnetization. Yeah. But once you apply the external magnetic field, the static magnetic field that in textbooks gets called B0. Yeah, the B0. Yeah, and typically lies along the z-axis. And they have that big arrow in the textbook running along yeah. the patient. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, once you apply that external magnetic field B0, there are two processes mentioned last time. The dipoles align with the magnetic field, i.e. Mm-hmm. in the z-direction, and they also process about the field at the Lamore or resonant frequency. Got it. So we've got our little man or woman with their head first in the scanner. Yeah. We've got a B0 um, field running across along the um, Z-axis along yeah. into the scanner. And um, then all the little hydrogen ions are spinning around, um, pointing towards the head of the patient, towards the scanner. Um, and they're going round and round and round like a little gyroscope at the Lamore frequency. Yes, exactly. So they're kind of like dancing to the same song. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're having a lovely time. <laughs> little disco, disco in the MR. Yeah, they're trying to get they're trying to get to the donut. I think that's useful. <laughs> yeah, so there's one slight issue with that analogy in mm-hmm. that yeah, in that considering first of all the direction of the dipoles. Yeah. Um. Once the external field is switched on, they align to the field, the z direction. And then this is where quantum physics comes in, sadly. Aligning along the field has two energy states. So the protons or dipoles 
can either be aligned parallel in the same direction as the field. So in the same direction as the B0 towards the head. Exactly. Or anti-parallel pointing in the opposite direction to the field. To the feet, towards the patient's feet. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you may sometimes hear this referred to as the spin up and spin down states respectively. Yes. So I'm imagining, and this correct me if I'm wrong, that we have transformed the human body into those classical magnets that we've seen at school. And you've got one end that's red and one end that's blue. And some of the protons are dancing towards the head and some of the protons are dancing towards the feet. Was that okay? Or was that silly? Yeah. So that yeah, so there's there's no there's the two states and um pointing up along parallel to the z direction into the magnet and pointing down in the opposite direction away from the magnet um and the two states have different energy values so it yeah. turns out that processing parallel in the same direction as the external magnetic field b naught has slightly lower energy than processing in the opposite direction or anti-parallel to be naught. So, mm, so it's easier. Yes. As a result, more protons align parallel than anti-parallel to be naught. Okay. So it's not really like a classic magnet. <laughs> it's more like a no. slightly askew magnet. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's slightly okay. askew. So if yeah. we sum up all the magnetic moments of the protons... Yeah. The majority of them cancel out one points up along B0 and then one points down, etc. But there is a slight excess of protons in the spin up position because yeah. it has a lower energy value. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you end up with a bulk magnetization pointing parallel along B0 into the magnet in the Z direction. Yeah. And the bulk magnetization is what is depicted as the vector M in textbooks. Yeah, seen that. Okay, so you've got your little man or little woman with their head towards the donut. You've got the B0, which is running along the Z-axis, which is essentially parallel to the little person. And the vast majority are of the kind of little gyroscopes of hydrogen are pointing towards the magnet. But there are some that point in the opposite direction. And the reason they choose to go towards the head, so towards the magnet, is because it's got um, it's less energy, so it's easier for them to do so. Yeah, but it's not the vast majority. So the energy between these two states, spin up and spin down, is really so small that at 1.5 Tesla, a standard clinical scanner, mm. it only equates to five excess dipoles pointing up per million dipoles so still yeah so still mri needs to be highly sensitive okay wow okay so that's that's an incredible proportion then only five yeah pretty similar but mostly slightly towards the head got it yes yeah yeah so you get the bulk magnetization this vector m that once you put the patient into the mr scanner points in the direction of the magnetic field parallel to it pointing into the scanner so i'm having a flashback to last week when we talked about diamagnetic and this is what you were describing as the body is diamagnetic is that correct 
Okay. Yes. All right. So yes. we did already cover this. I just I forgot. <laughs> well, yeah, it's so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's confusing. <laughs> it's confusing. So the M arrow points towards the head of the patient, towards the donut, but it's not a massive arrow. It's a very little arrow. Yes. It's a small signal that we're playing with, sadly, in MRI. So that's the first process, right? The compass point. But yeah. then we need to consider the second effect of the external magnetic field on the protons, which is the precession at the Lamour frequency. Yeah. Yeah. So although we have the bulk magnetization pointing along the Z direction with the external magnetic field B0, and the protons are processing about the Z direction at the same frequency, the Lamour frequency, they all started spinning at this rate when they were at different phases of their precession. So if you like, if you look down on them as a bunch of spinning gyroscopes, they would be spinning around at the same rate. But then if you took a photo, a freeze frame of that scenario, they would all be pointing at different hours on a clock face. So what we're saying is the precession of the protons is still out of phase or incoherent, Mm. and therefore there is no signal coherence in the processing plane known Mm. as the transverse or XY plane. Okay. So I'm imagining some of these are on Tokyo time, some of them on like Sydney time, some of them are in London. They're all a little bit out of sync. Everyone's a bit jet lagged and our signal's not very good. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. In this processing plane, they're all out of sync with one another and they cancel each other out. Yeah. So how do we get them to align themselves onto one time zone and just work in harmony? Yeah, this is a really important thing because this is how we create the signal. So the question of signal creation in MRI is the same as asking how do we detect magnetic moments? Um, And the giveaway here is to think of how a dynamo works. And this is where Faraday's law of induction comes back in from before, which states that a change in magnetic field will induce a current in a loop of wire or an electric field. Um, So when we say induce a current in a loop of wire, what we're talking about is an electric signal, um, moving electrons in a wire. So consider uh, processing protons, their rotation or precession in the transverse plane is a change in magnetic field. They're moving around. And we have a big coil of wire. This is our RF receiving coils that are in our magnet. Um, So the precession in the transverse plane will induce a current or an electrical signal in our receiving coils. Um, To be specific, it will induce an oscillating, a change in voltage. And the bigger the magnetic moment, i.e. the greater the number of contributing protons, the stronger this signal will be. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. That makes sense. But we have a problem, as we said before, that currently there isn't any net magnetization in the transverse plane because although they're processing at the same rate, they are at different phases in their precession. Yeah. So if you look at a freeze frame at any point, um, they'll be pointing in different directions and therefore the sum of them cancels out. Yeah. 
So they're all on little time, different, all these little clocks are on different time zones. Yeah. And we're not getting a decent electric signal at the end of yeah. it all. Yes, Got exactly. It? Exactly. Okay. So how do we then make that signal better? Like how can we make them all get into the same time zone? Right. So yeah, we need to create coherence in the transverse plane, um, which means we need to tilt the bulk magnetization M away from the z-axis along the b naught field down into the transverse plane. Um, And if Mm. we remember from before that the protons are spinning at the Lamour frequency, well, this is the proton's resonance frequency, right? That's where Mm. that term comes from. And if you Mm -hmm. think of pushing someone on a swing, if you push the swing at the right point, i.e. on resonance, then they swing higher and higher and absorb the energy you're putting into the system. Yeah. So Lemoore's equation says that this frequency is defined by the gyromagnetic ratio of the nuclei multiplied by the external magnetic field strength, where the gyromagnetic ratio is just a constant for the nuclei. And we know the strength of the field of the MR scanner the patient is within. So if we think about hydrogen at 1.5 T, the mm. Lamore frequency is 64 megahertz. Okay. So then if we put the same patient in 3 T, hydrogen again is processing at double that at 128 mm. megahertz. So the Lamore frequencies are in the radio frequency range. And that's where, um, when you start hearing about radio frequency. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you have your RF coils. Woo-hoo. Yes. Because that's, okay. that's, yeah, exactly. This is the resonance so, that we're at. We've got loads of little clocks within our body, all gyroscoping around at different time zones. But they're all yeah. on a, in a 1.5 T, the Lamore frequency is 64, 64 megahertz. Yeah. And if we put them in the 3T, then it's double that. Yeah, exactly. But they are still going around in different time zones. But yeah. we know that if we keep pushing them at the same Lamore frequency, then if they were on a swing, they would go further and further. But they're still in different time zones. So how do we sort that out? Right. So we already know that nuclear magnetic moments process about an externally applied magnetic field. Therefore, if we apply an additional field, typically called B1, Mm. it's possible to manipulate the magnetic moments of the nuclei. And this is what we do with the radio frequency pulse that starts any MR sequence. We apply the B1 radio frequency field for a short time, hence it's called a pulse, to mutate or tilt the bulk magnetization M into the transverse plane. So the bulk magnetization absorbs the energy of the pulse as it's at resonance, and then it starts to tilt from being along the z-axis down into the transverse plane. And once it's in the transverse plane, we can detect a signal in our coil of wire. 
Okay, so you're pushing the swing, but you're changing its direction. And you're pushing at the right frequency so that you can change its direction. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that works. So, um, yeah, and it's a a pulse applied for a short duration. So once the B1 RF field is not applied, the signal begins to decay back to its equilibrium state from before so that the bulk magnetization is again along the static magnetic field B0 direction. I mean, that kind of makes sense because that's where it's happiest. And if you think about a swing, it's attached in a certain way so that you stand behind the child and push the child in the swing. <laughs> and you don't push them off to the right or push them off to the right. left Once and hit the, kid the other falls kids. Off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> swing comes back. It's fine. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So that, okay. that that process of you getting signal in your coil of wire, your pulse turning off and the signal decaying, that signal is the free induction decay signal. Yeah. Okay. So we have a signal when we've got everything aligned properly and then we have another signal as things dissipate back to their original state. Yeah. So the so you apply the B1 field, you put in this resident energy and excite the bulk magnetization down into the transverse plane um, but it's a pulse it's switched off mm-hmm. so once it's done in the transverse plane you can measure an, this oscillating change in voltage in the coil but then it starts to decrease in amplitude because a pulse is switched off and then it's going back to its equilibrium state along the z-axis so that's the decay of the signal yeah. and Am I right in saying that different tissues will decay in different kind of rates or at different times? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the basis of how we start to get contrast in MR, but we'll um, approach those kind of complex ideas later. Later in greater detail, yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. So we've got lots of hydrogen, the vast majority of, um, of what we are dealing with is all hydrogen, and that's what we're using to image, and it it um, gyroscopes at the Lama frequency, and we know that that's sixty four megahertz in a one point five T that comes up in exams, and double that in a three T, um, and that we use um, additional pushing of the swing from RF coils um, into causing the direction all to be going transverse, which is a pointing away from the B0 or the um, Z-axis. And that is where we get the second signal. Have I got that right? Pretty much. So um, the idea is, yeah, you have the bulk magnetization from the fact that you have this external large static magnetic field B0 pointing in the Z-axis. It's processing at a resonant frequency. And if you apply an additional field at this resonant frequency, then it can absorb the energy and can tilt away into the transverse direction of the applied field. So um, we're discussing the RF pulse as tilting the bulk magnetization by 90 degrees perfectly, right? Away from Mm -hmm. the Z axis into the the XY plane. Or another way of saying that is from the longitudinal plane perfectly into the transverse plane yeah but you could apply the same pulse for a shorter duration until the b magnetization by less than 90 degrees and this is a concept that we'll consider later for now we are tilting m the bulk magnetization perfectly through 90 degrees 
from the longitudinal plane into the transverse plane. Okay, so spoiler alerts, we're going to talk about tissue contrast and different types of tissues and hydrogen relaxation and all of these things in another episode. And we're also going to talk about when you mess around with the RF pulse, but you don't send them all the way 90 degrees. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. There's so many things that I think a lot of people will um, happily cotton on to and then realise that they haven't fully understood. <laughs> Me included. It's endless. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely brutal yeah. Yeah. it is <laughs> it's, it's horrible as well because you know these lovely analogies they aren't completely true so if you yeah. overthink them they start to fall apart so they have to be taken with a pinch of salt they're just being used to like help and aid what's yeah. going on um yeah but yeah they they don't go they don't yeah. travel too far and this is why we have to think about these things at a later date because we've thought about the fact we're putting in energy and then mm. we tip, we start to tilt the bulk magnetization down into the transverse plane. But in actual fact, as M or the bulk magnetization tilts into the XY transverse plane, it continues to rotate the whole time around the Z axis at the Lamore frequency. It's still spinning. It's still spinning. So we have a change in magnetic fields still, and mm. this will induce a current in a coil and we receive a signal, right? Yeah. But it means that the overall motion is quite complex. There's the nutation or tilting down from the longitudinal plane into the transverse plane, and all the while it's processing around B0. So it looks kind of like an expanding spiral is possibly the best mm. way to imagine it. Yeah. If you okay. have your hand pointing up and you have it spinning and you slowly put your hand down wider and wider, but you continue spinning, then, yeah, you're drawing out like an expanding spiral. Interesting. All right. So so the spiraling that's um, going down, I feel like in textbooks or in lectures and things, I've always seen that as just an arrow that's pointing towards the head of a patient. And then suddenly the arrow flips down and points down towards like the floor. So is that just an oversimplification of what is actually happening? Um, or, I mean, well, I suspect it is because we're not clever enough to actually understand the physics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, all of this is an oversimplification and, you know, that's yeah, because it's enough. really hard, right? It's yeah. horrible uh, quantum physics. But yeah, exactly. It's this complex motion, but that it doesn't serve to think of it like that really so okay. it's much easier just to think oh it's pointing up in the z direction in the longitudinal plane and then we put in this rf pulse on resonance give it loads of energy and it just tips over into the transverse plane by 90 degrees and then we have our signal yeah perfect <laughs> so life is so simple and life is so simple Got it. okay <laughs> I feel like we've covered quite a lot and stuff mm. that I probably once knew but have long forgotten. Um, ST1s listening, I know that you then have to like fill your brain with 2A knowledge, but then later on, it's actually really useful to understand your MR physics. So yeah. try and retain it if you can, um, because it's been a while since I did the exam. And I suspect once upon a time, I knew this stuff very well, but um, <laughs> now anyway, it's good. It's good to go over it again. Yeah. So yeah. 
where are we? We have covered how we get a signal from the body. And we've covered the fact that we need to kind of manipulate what's already going on um, to actually get a decent signal because there's not enough of it in the B0 plane, essentially. Um, But what happens to that signal once we get the signal? Where does it go? That's a really nice little overview. So we have an RF pulse and it's a pulse, so it's only applied momentarily. Um, and it tilts the magnetization into transverse plane. Then once the RF field is no longer applied, the signal begins to lose the energy gained by the RF pulse and relax back to equilibrium where the bulk magnetization lies along the B0 field and reaches its maximum. So this is its equilibrium state. Um, mm. And this relaxation or loss of energy occurs in two ways. So there is spin lattice relaxation, which is where the dipoles get pushed or jostled is a popular word about and lose energy to the molecular lattice, causing the dipoles to align again with the Z axis and thus causing the longitudinal signal to recover. Um, where the longitudinal signal is the bulk magnetization vector along B0 or the Z direction. Therefore, the spin lattice relaxation process is also known as the longitudinal relaxation or the T1 recovery. Mm, that feels <laughs> like it's important. Yes. T1, that's a word that comes up a lot. Mm, very important. <laughs> what does T1 stand for? Oh gosh, God knows. Someone probably decided it was like time one, time two. I've I've always wanted to ask that. (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. So spin lattice is T1, essentially. Your spin lattice relaxation time is T1. Yeah, longitudinal. Yeah, and that's along the longitudinal axis. Okay, Jodie, that's that's really interesting and obviously really important because T one's an important concept. Um, so you mentioned that there were two processes. What's the second process? Okay, so yeah, the first process we're just thinking about the magnetization. We've lost all of the longitudinal magnetization in the Z direction when we tilted it down into the transverse plane, and then it recovers back up. So that's all we're thinking about at that point for T1 recovery is the longitudinal recovery of that signal in the z-axis. So then there's also spin-spin relaxation and this is where energy is transferred between the protons causing them to go out of phase with one another and so the protons experience additional magnetic fields due to surrounding dipoles and this field variation causes the loss of phase coherence in the transverse signal which reduces it so therefore Mm. the spin spin relaxation is also known as the transverse relaxation or the t2 decay so that's those are the two separate processes that we think about when we think about the relaxation of the signal back to the equilibrium state along the z direction Um, Mm. after the RF pulse is stopped, right? Okay, so we've got movement along the longitudinal plane, which is T1, and then we've got movement along the the transverse plane, which is T2. Okay, yes. So So T1 is 
L for long and T2 is transverse. Yes and so T1 is a recovery of the signal because you tipped it down and you lost any longitudinal magnetization. It's all been moved into the transverse plane. So it's a recovery. It goes from zero back up. Mm. Um, Whereas T2 is a decay. You had at that point all of your signal in the transverse plane in phase, and then they start to go out of phase with one another. And so you lose all of your signal in the transverse plane. Do you know how I remember that for the exam? No. Well, T1 is L, longitudinal, and L become, comes before T in the alphabet, and T2 is T. <laughs> Whatever works. I mean, that's Transverse. Perfect. <laughs> Otherwise, there's too many Ts, and it's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> top tip, guys. Top tip. Use the alphabet. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I feel like that's been quite heavy today. Um yeah. I don't know if we want to go into anything further, no. but we have covered why we use hydrogen ions, how we get a signal, yeah, and how we kind of create coherence, and then how we watch it become uncoherent or yes. incoherent, and um, that's a process that is known as relaxation, um, of which there's two types: T1 longitudinal and T2 transverse. Yes. And it's super important to um, understand that they are two completely independent processes. Yeah. T1 is recovery in longitudinal plane. So it goes from zero back up to its equilibrium state, pointing along the Z direction, the static magnetic field direction. Yeah. And there's T2, which is a decay signal because we moved all of the bulk magnetization down into the transverse plane. And when we did that, we moved it all in phase. So then they start becoming out of phase with one another in the transverse plane. And so again, they all point in different directions in that plane and cancel each other out eventually. So T2 is the dephasing of the spins and is a decay of the signal. Mm. So yeah, they're just independent. And I I found when I was learning MR physics that it was quite hard to get my head around what was the difference between the two. I just thought they were inverse and they're not. They're two independent processes. But they're happening simultaneously. Yes, they're happening simultaneously because the RF pulse stops. Mm. And you can't manipulate them to just do one at a time, can you? No. That's that's a really good question. It's really like you you could hear my like pause right in the no. I could hear your little um, protons moving around in your brain. Yeah, like can you can you can you independently stop them? Like uh, even though even though they're they're independent, it all falls apart, doesn't it? When I'm like they're independent processes, and you're like, well, why can't you do one and not the other? (laughs) I was just thinking, like, could you kind of keep the overall direction of magnetism down in the transverse plane but let them have their little spin spin no because this is where the analogy falls apart right so um you had to put in that rf energy at resonance in order to force them to spin coherently and be in phase with one another so that you have a signal a change in magnetic field that all at independent moments adds up and makes you know a value rather than cancelling itself out 
Mm-hmm. So you put in that energy, you tilt it down, but you've also made it. So not only have you tilted it away from the Z direction, you've made it in phase. So mm-hmm. you can't you can't do one without the other. Yeah. Because that's the Essentially, way you get energy into the system. Yeah. And essentially you did one thing and it had two outcomes and you remove that thing and those two outcomes independently go away. Yeah. It's because of your initial cause. It's like punching someone in the face. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. You caused a nosebleed (laughs) and your fist hurt. (laughs) They're independent. (laughs) But caused by the same thing. (laughs) The same, the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> what a great thing to think of take away if you had a bad day <laughs> i had a long day i think it's because i haven't had dinner yet and i'm just like oh my struggling. God. yeah i'm physics on an empty stomach yeah not good <sighs> no it's all right okay well i apologize to our listeners for um my terrible analogies today um <laughs> i promise that i'll have dinner next time <laughs> um if you still are going to be listening to us then we will cover the terrible terrible concept of spatial encoding next time (laughs) i always remembered like the case space and all the encoding and stuff is like i just imagine being in the matrix (laughs) yeah that's that's exactly the way to learn it (laughs) and i could just never i was like this matrix is so confusing (laughs) No, that's exactly it. You just have to think when physics gets too much, you just think about Keanu Reeves yeah. and what he would do. I feel like you're going to be that person that like unplugs the thing out the back of my neck and makes, <laughs> makes it make sense, but it's so painful. So painful. <laughs> I'm going to have to get some better sunglasses. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, let's get matching coats. To cover all the um, donut energy that we've put on around our bellies. <laughs> yeah. Those positive vibes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Um, thank you so much. Um, I'm sorry that this has been challenging. Um, but it is, like you said, really, really complicated and very important for us to then build on for the later episodes. Yeah. Um, but yes, we we have understood, I think, I have understood, um, that we essentially manipulating the magnetization direction of our body in order to create an electric current and then we get the signal and we're able to create an image so it's about magnetism electricity and eventually a picture on a screen oh yes eventually (laughs) we will get there yes exactly and it makes sense that it's super complicated because it's incredible that we can see inside our bodies without, mm. you know, without opening it up. It's incredible yeah. that what we get to see in the detail of what we get to see, especially the 70s, which I'm very excited to to explore. I think that's the other problem in MR physics is that you've got your T1, your T2, your 1.5T, your 3T, and everything's a T. <laughs> yeah, it is a T. And I'm trying to think, you know, we definitely used to use Gauss, you're right. <laughs> yeah, we need to change it up. <laughs> to solve the problem. <laughs> Get rid of them T's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's probably the most controversial <laughs> statement that has happened in MR in like 20 years. 
Just get rid of them T's. <laughs> See some extra letters, you know. There's too many T's. Right, on that note, I'm going to go have my dinner and I'm going to make myself oh, a cup right. of tea. Enjoy. All right, take care, have a good night. Yes, you too, enjoy your dinner. All right, bye. See you soon, bye.